Welcome to the Roadie Mixtape Podcast, bringing musicians and people in the music industry together. And here's your host, Brad Thibodeau. Today on the podcast, I have a special guest. Her name is Emily McFicker, and she is a musician from Seattle, Washington. We were in contact when Emily posted her her show flyer on a Facebook site that I manage. Uh, and as we started talking, she was asking me different questions. And I felt like it would be a really good idea to get her on the podcast and ask her some questions of my own. The nice thing about musicians meeting at random times in random places is that we all seem to speak the same language. Uh, as she was talking in this podcast about the struggles that she sh- faced and the things that she's found uh, in her music career, I think these are all things that all musicians share uh, at some point or other in their career. And this is something that I've noticed talking with musicians uh, from around the country and around the world is that I'm able to find common ground faster and there's a, uh, a shared sub-language between myself and all the other musicians that I've met. So I hope you enjoy the podcast, although, I mean, it was a little bit, uh, a little rushed and a little, uh, a little unplanned, but I think it, uh, it really lent to a real conversation. So without further ado, here's the podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Emily McVicker. She's in town from Seattle, Washington. I asked her on because she's playing Saturday, uh, the 16th at 6.30 at George's of Galilee. So I was hoping to get her in uh, and get this posted before her show to uh, introduce her to Rhode Island a little bit before she uh, she actually comes in and plays. And uh, I'm going to have her take it over. Uh, how you doing? Hey, good. Thanks for having me, Brad. Um, so we were talking before we started. And uh, like I mentioned, that you're playing at George's of Galilee on the 16th. That's this Saturday at 6.30. Uh what what brought you into uh, Rhode Island? Uh, well, initially, my boyfriend uh, was a musical director at Theater by the Sea doing Ain't Misbehavin, and this is their last week of their show. So I came in to see the show and um, also connect with a friend of mine in the, in the local music scene, James Grande, who he... You know James? Yeah, I know James. So, yeah, so, he's awesome. <laughs> so James and I used to sing on Carnival Cruise Lines together, and... He hooked me up with uh, Kevin, who books at Georges of Galilee, and I thought it would be great to come play out here and make some new Rhode Island friends. That's good. Um, so we were talking earlier, and you mentioned you have a, a CD coming out? Yes. So that's what I'm especially excited about. August 12th, uh, my first full-length album is coming out, all original music. It's going to be called Antidote, because all of the songs are inspired by finding the good come out of the bad and kind of healing yourself through music and and uh, language. Before we dig into your your history and music and your your personal side of the the music, where can people go to find out more about you and maybe sign up for your mailing list so they don't miss out on the record? So glad that you asked because I have a brand new website www.emilymcvicker.com. And for anyone that signs up for my email list, I send out a free download of the Baby Mermaid song. <laughs> All right. We'll definitely touch into that later. <laughs> um, so why don't we go ahead and get into the form a little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about 
Um, did you grow up with music? Yeah, you know, I I was very fortunate to grow up with um, parents that were very encouraging of whatever I wanted to do. So I grew up doing, I started playing the trumpet in elementary school, but we also did like science camp and soccer camp. And um, I had a very well-rounded growing up, but I, in high school, I really clung to musical theater and performance and all that. And it just kind of kept going and going. I've been very lucky to be employed and keep finding people that want to hear me sing. When did you make the transition from musical theater to musician? Was that a, a seamless transition or did you find yourself doing both for a while? I think I was, I was kind of doing both for a while, but my first gig was I was doing an acapella show at Hershey Park. Have you been to Hershey Park? Yeah, yeah, I've been. Um, and it was, I was working with the make the makers of Toxic Audio, which was a really popular acapella group in the 90s. And they were directing our show. And it got me plugged into like the whole beatboxing scene and the acapella scene. And I got to hone my skills arranging and doing that kind of stuff, which I think has really served me in even what I'm doing now. So from the acapella stuff, I started singing in, in like cover bands and party bands on cruise ships. And, and even that, like I was singing all genres of music from disco to pop to Motown. And, and it kind of gave me a vocabulary and a language to start writing my own music. And uh, so I didn't even know it at the time, but I was collecting little. Yeah. Little bits to help you on later. Yeah. Uh, did you go to college for music? Yeah, for musical theater at, at Point Park University, actually, in Pittsburgh. What would you say your biggest takeaway from musical theater school education? Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from that? Probably the ability to self-produce, maybe. Because in a lot of ways, before you get into a show doing a musical, you have to kind of design, you have to design your song and design your audition and design what you're going to wear and what your image is and and think about the whole presentation before you even get a job sometimes. So people have told me that what I'm doing now at, at some points is a little bit theatrical, but I, um, it, and which is great. I love telling, b- being able to tell a story with a short amount of time through music and, and it's been encouraging how people have been able to interact with theater just by seeing my show. So... Yeah, that's funny. You you point out that musical theater taught you um, the the importance of the the image and the the product that you're putting out as a musician. A lot of times you hear amazing musicians performing, but they have no stage presence. They have no uh, image that they're trying to to put out, and it really can hinder the audience taking hold on what they're doing Mm -hmm. have you have you ever had problems with that or did you kind of because you had the background in theater you you learned how to create a character on stage yeah that's interesting I, I think I think sometimes when you are not quite as showy um or something it it can come out of like just being a little shy or being a little unsure of what you're doing or sometimes I've played with with really fabulous players that when they're playing the guitar they're like and there's but when they solo they turn their back to the audience and just kind of jam with the band whereas all of my favorite guitar soloists don't do that at all they get the they put the strings right in the audience face (laughs) and they're like yeah take that guitar and i love that because i love 
I love being in the audience. I love being on stage. I love the whole creation of show business. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I'm the type of person that I'm not uncomfortable on stage, but I have my much more subdued, uh, personality on stage. So I always feel like that kind of hinders me from connecting a little bit more with the audience just because I'm, I'm a little bit pulled back. So, well, you're, um, you know what they say about, you know, cause you're a bass player. Yeah. Yeah. I think it works well because <laughs> I am a bass player. And, and when I was touring as a guitarist, I definitely had, I had like a, a not a character on stage, but I was in a different mindset that I, that sure. I, I used to like, um, get the, the anger, you know, like that I was trying to portray out and, um, all angst. yes, all the angst. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then you graduate from, from college and is that when you went on the cruise ships? Um, pretty quick after that. I did one, uh, I did one children's production of Alice in Wonderland that toured around the country and stuff. It was, it was, it was a rough tour though. It was yeah. a, a lot of one nighters and, uh, and a lot, a lot of variation with the theaters that we were playing in. Um, I was in New York for a short time after that, where I just auditioned and auditioned and auditioned. I was very relieved when, when Carnival Cruise Lines called me, they're like, do you want a job? I was like, yes. Like <laughs> I loved it. I loved having a gig every night and meeting people from all over the world. Yeah. Um, uh, so when, when did you get picked up by Carnival? About how old were you? I was 25. Okay. I'm 30 now. Okay. Uh, how long were you on the Carnival lines? Two years. Two years. Did you, uh, do you get to go anywhere cool? Were you able to yeah. see the world a little bit? Um, well, the Caribbean is always beautiful. I mean, it, as long as I have a beach and like hot weather, I'm happy. In Seattle, we have one of those things. <laughs> so <laughs> I compromise. Um, and music, you know, I had a gig every night. I had the beach. I had tropical weather. Um, well, the furthest away I got to be was Australia. And we sailed from North America, from North America to Sydney, Australia. It was a 22 day cruise. And it took seven, seven days at one stretch where we didn't see any land. It was just ocean for seven days. And, and I got to see Tahiti and Bora Bora and Fiji, which like little teeny tiny places, which I was very lucky to get to go. Yeah. That's awesome. Most people can't say that. Even most musicians can't say that. Yeah. Even though we were there usually just for one day or a couple hours, um, yeah. It was still fun to touch land. Yeah, definitely. And you said you did that for two years? Yeah, about two years. Um, I probably could have kept doing it because I did, I did enjoy it, but it was also a perfect time for me to take all the knowledge and songs and repertoire that I'd built up and, and try to start something on the land to build momentum. Yep. Because the only drawback to the cruise ship life is there's not a lot, you, you're not really building onto something you're just kind of working and going from ship to ship and the benefit of being in seattle is i've been able to make contacts and see friends and support other people's bands and be a part of a, a continuous community which has been very fulfilling to me yeah absolutely um so you after two years on the cruise ships you moved home to seattle mm -hmm. and that's when you started it sounds like that your your shift from musical theater to musician kind of happened on the cruise line 
mm-hmm. and then you hit Seattle and you were determined to start playing music. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I got one gig playing as a soloist and uh, it was my first gig. I got it through a friend and um, I, it was okay, <laughs> but I... I knew after doing it once, I had a vision of how to create a more, a more full one person show. And that's what really got me into the live looping that you'll see now in my show where I can use my beatboxing skills. I and like set a beat or like do harmonies. Um, so with my loop pedal, I can, I can show you later, but I can, I do this thing where I say, repeat myself over and over, repeat myself over and over, repeat myself over and over, repeat myself over and over. And so that the audience can really get a flair for how I'm layering what I'm doing. Right. Oh, that's good. So you go through part of your show is showing people how to, how to loop. Yeah. Cause the thing I was telling someone earlier today with looping, if you're doing it right, no one is going to know what you're doing. It should sound very seamless and almost like a, uh, a one-man band sound. Right. Um, so I got to show them that I'm doing it live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a magic button that fills in everything for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you've been, it sounds like for the last two and a half, three years, you've been doing uh, just, you know, writing songs and performing. Yeah, exactly. And just kind of adding to my show. Like I started with a very basic setup and... I I am amazed at how encouraging the community and my friends have been. In fact, when you see my show, almost everything that I have, except for the loop pedal, I have the loop pedal. And then I also have like a double mic head that holds two microphones so that I can mix them differently. And I have a little fork that holds my ukulele on the stand and a little table that holds my instruments. And these are all things that my friends have contributed to my show where they saw it and they go, you know what you need for your show? And then they bring it to me. That's nice. It's been really nice. Yeah. It, it makes me feel like, it makes me feel very like people are on the, on my team. Yeah. Um, have you, have you only played in Seattle or have you had a chance to play around the country a little bit as a solo performer? Um, well, I started doing West Coast touring last year where basically I start in Seattle and head south down I-5 yep. or the 101 and uh, and hit up the breweries and the wineries or a lot a lot of times house concerts, which have been really fun. Yeah. More fun than I thought. I I used to think they would be kind of weird, but then I played a few and I loved how intimate they were and how it was fun to share stories and get to know the people at the party. Yeah, totally. And then um, just recently until this week, the furthest away that I had played was I, I was in Pittsburgh two weeks ago doing filter fest music and technology festival, which is based. It's an international live looping festival. Oh, that's cool. It was really fun. Um, it's about two years old and there was people from Canada and Mexico and Everybody played different instruments and had different gear setups, and it was a lot of learning and a lot of just cool people to meet. Yeah. I always find, uh, especially where music and technology meet, it's always interesting seeing another person's take on, it could be the same rig, but they just do it, they do something a little different, and it it makes it sound totally different. And it's always cool to, to be able to, it's one thing to talk about, it's another thing to watch someone else perform. And be like, oh, I could I could use that in my act because I have something similar. Well, and what's fun about looping is it's 
what it's able to kind of show off whatever skills you do best. So in my case, that's beatboxing and harmonies and, and hand percussion. And for I had this other friend who she's kind of a DJ and she uses a loop pedal with her DJ equipment. And she had this cover of Jolene that was very creative and and like techno-ish kind of like very danceable. Um, her name is DJ Nebraska and she was great. Learned a lot from her. And uh, another guy from Mexico had a keyboard and had all these electronic sounds and could make this really low, like didgeridoo voice. Oh, yeah. It really just shows off whatever thing that yeah. you do well. Or, okay. or it shows off what you don't do well if you do it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I saw, I went to a, a show where this girl was looping. It was all vocals. She was looping, you know, beatboxing, harmonies. Uh, and her very last song her her loop was off by like a beat mm-hmm. and she 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 did a great job covering but knowing what it's supposed to sound like it you just were like yeah it was a little jarring but she did a great job covering for it but yeah that's almost the most important bit about it is the timing is to make sure that your timing is solid like a metronome yeah yeah totally and because if and it's completely live so if you get it wrong you get it wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then you suffer for the next three minutes trying to put it back together oh you know hopefully not i that's why you just got to practice and make sure you're on point yeah and that's kind of what makes it exciting too how do you feel the crowds are on the west coast do you do you, there's a it may it might just be out here but there's this like sickness where everyone thinks that the music <laughs> scene is dead in their particular town and it's Everywhere I've gone, people have said the same thing. It's like, oh, music is dead in Tennessee. Music is dead in Pennsylvania. But I I think it's just people aren't knowing where to look or people don't know where to find good music. Do you think it's the same out there or do you think it's it's easier to find good music? That's a very loaded question. Because <laughs> um, it's funny. I think there's a... First, I think you're absolutely right. You have to know where to go to find good music. And that's when one reason why like when you see someone that you like to stick with them to get on their mailing list to like support like their new releases and stuff because um because that's gold when you find that person or that band that you're loving and and it doesn't happen all the time i notice though when i'm playing in seattle in the city of seattle sometimes it can be a little bit more hit or miss with the crowd um and of course it varies on what I'm doing or where it's located, but I, I've really enjoyed exploring more of Washington state and going out into the smaller towns. And I, I almost feel more appreciated and everybody wants to meet me and it's a big celebration and that's fun too. You just gotta yeah spread it around in the, in the bigger towns and cities where music is everywhere you're just another person but when you get out into a more rural area where they maybe have a concert in their area once a month everyone goes to see you and it's a big thing yeah that's what i've noticed going around the country and stuff it's also about like accessibility too like where i'm playing makes a huge difference if i'm just playing in a bar somewhere or a brewery but, but the people that came there just came to have a drink with their friends. Yeah. Um, that's a very different audience than when I'm playing at a resort and everyone's there to relax and enjoy themselves. You know, it, it's just a very different atmosphere. Or so often I play at SeaTac Airport. Um, so if you've traveled in the city <laughs> of Seattle or Tacoma, you may have seen me during business hours. And uh, 
when you're traveling, people have been so like, thank you for being here because they're having a terrible day because they're on a layover. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no one has a good day at the airport. They're so desperate. They're like, thank you for making this fun. Or kids sometimes, sometimes kids really, how about, so one time I was playing at, at the airport and there was this little boy, 10 year old boy, and he was with his a family and, but the boy came up and really confidently threw a $5 bill into my jar. And I was like, thanks little kid. He ran back to his dad, brought a fiddle and I finished the song and he's ready with his fiddle. And I said, are you going to jam with me? He's like, yeah. I was like, do you know the key of B flat? He's like, yeah. And so this little 10 year old boy just wailed on this fiddle with me. He was awesome. And he drew this huge crowd. It felt like we were at Disneyland. Yeah. And I was like, who the heck are you? You're awesome. He's like, I'm Zachary James. I'm part of the Millie's Way Brothers. We were just on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And they were just traveling in town, probably playing. And, uh, they're fabulous. I meet I meet the most interesting people at the airport. It's been a wonderful place to to connect. Yeah, I I would have never thought to play at an airport either. People seem to really appreciate it. Did they contact you or did you contact them? I contacted them there. It's through an agency mm-hmm. that is great. It's called Gigs for You and it's in just in Seattle so far, but they're looking to expand to maybe Tacoma and Portland. Um where they connect small independent music acts like me to bigger corporations. So like the airport, um, the upstream music festival, they've had me play um, the Columbia tower club, which is the swankiest club in town on the 75th floor of the Columbia tower. Um, your ears pop twice, just going up there. Yeah. Um, the aquarium, the, this, the public parks, they're, they're great about spreading music. They want music everywhere. And I, support that vision <laughs> yeah absolutely um so how did you meet james did you meet him through thriving music musicians no thriving musicians shout out to thriving musicians. absolutely check it out uh no james grande was a solo guitar player on the carnival breeze which was the flagship of the carnival fleet at the time yep and i was singing in the band before i did any of my own solo stuff but i would go watch james and uh, he would make up songs in front of the audience, and it was absolutely so entertaining, so funny. Yeah. He would sing about people drinking at the bar and sing about people's T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, he started Thriving Musicians, and he's been a great friend to call and get, get feedback on. He's good at thinking of really um, instigating like video titles. Oh, like yeah. very clickable titles. Yeah, he is. We we sat down and chatted a couple months ago, and it was it was he has a a very good brain. It was funny. He, He's good at ruffling feathers too. Yeah, I think. Yeah, he he has. That's right, James. I said <laughs> it. And uh, so this page, thriving musicians, is it's for active serious musicians and that's how i met him was through that page and turns out he lives you know 15 minutes from here actually yeah he's really close so um it was it was great to you know meet him because i'd I'd heard his music before because he's a a local guy and then um that's funny that you knew him of course you knew him you know He's, he's great and he's connected me to um the, another Seattle musician, Natalie Page, who is from Rhode Island, um, but now she's playing in Seattle. So um, he's he's good at spreading the love and connecting friends. And yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so in addition to your, your website, and you also have a Facebook and a YouTube channel yeah. where you're, you're posting video content. Uh, I saw your, your video for Valerie. Yeah. Do uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah. So Valerie was, if you see it, what's cool about that video is my brother helped me with it. My brother does video production in Seattle for a mortgage company. And he invited me in to come do a video with the green screen. And he's able to like copy. So in, even though I played the song all in one take, like I normally do, he takes the video and multiplies the image so that you can kind of see visually what I'm doing with the music. So that's why there's three of me. It looks like the backup singers. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun to watch. It was, <laughs> it was pretty funny. Oh, thanks. Yeah. But I love that song. Uh, I know it from Amy Winehouse and we used to do it with the, with the full band on the ship. And I was playing it and I introduced it as an Amy Winehouse song one time and these British guys came by, came over. They're like, you know, that's not by Amy Winehouse. It's from this band, the Zootons, and they're from Liverpool. And I looked it up. Sure enough. Yeah. Um, huh. I never knew that. Yeah. it's But it's still a good song. Yeah. And Mark Ronson produced it beautifully. Yeah. Uh, and then you also have a cover of the Cup song yeah <laughs> so why did you choose that song and tell us a little bit about what went into arranging it that song i just i just liked it i thought it was catchy and fun to sing to and it's from the pitch perfect movie which is the uh about an acapella group and it's so funny i love it and with the cup thing that she, that she does in the movie where she's tapping on the cups that was actually something we used to do like my age group we would do that like at the lunch table. So I, in the video with the loop pedal, I, I don't have a cup or anything. So I just use my body. I go. And that loops. Yep. And that kind of mimics the sound of the cup. But, uh, and I think that's, it, it's a fun way. It's probably the best intro I have. Cause I'm tapping on my body and, and people sing along to that one too. Yeah. So, well, it's funny. You just did the rhythm and I already, I saw the cups moving. Because yeah. I've never seen the movie, but I do know the, the little cup thing. Well, and sometimes I get kids that will come up to me or their parents will be like, hey, this kid knows how to do the cup thing and I'll do it with them. And it's just another way to connect with people. That's awesome. Are you going to be doing that song on Saturday? Definitely. I love doing that song. Okay. So make sure everyone that's listening, you bring cups and you follow along. Yeah. Bring your cup. <laughs> So why don't we talk again? Uh, it is Saturday the 16th. Yeah. That's the Saturday. June uh, 16th. Yeah. June 16th at George's of Galilee. Mm -hmm. And you go on at 630. Mm -hmm. uh, do you know how late you're going? Uh, probably till 930, I guess. Okay. I'll probably play three full sets. Sounds good. Unless they kick me out. No, they won't. For being... Rowdy. Rowdy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are closing up this podcast so we can go ahead and shoot a Facebook live video. Uh, so you will see that before you hear this podcast. So uh, it was great having you on. Thanks for having me, Brad. This is awesome. I can't wait to hear. Of course. Check her out this Saturday, June 16th at George's of Galilee at 630. So before you turn off this podcast, I had Emily hang around for a little while after we were done recording. Uh, we did a Facebook Live video. I hope you check that out. Uh, it's on the Roadie Mixtape Podcast Facebook page. Uh, in addition, I had her hang back and we recorded a couple live songs, uh, uh, different things that she's been doing throughout the years. We did 
one song in particular. I think it came out really well. It has a really nice story to it. So, You Never Know, live by Emily McVicker. This is You Never Know. Uh, I wrote it for a friend of mine who was going through a tough time, and sometimes all you can do for someone when they are struggling is show them a little bit of kindness, and hopefully that kindness will multiply. So this song is called You Never Know. One, two, three. Never know, never know, never know. Never know, never know, never know. Never know, never know, never know. You never know. A smile could go Is there a way to get someone to smile? I got a friend and he told me It's been a little while Sometimes another person's mood is outside your control But is there something that I can do for you To feel happier at all? You can help someone if you smile when you greet a little bit of happy comes from everyone you meet So you might have the power on someone's behalf And if you can get a smile You're only one expression away from a laugh A smile is just a little ways from a laugh And a laugh is just a little ways from having a good day So if you meet a glance Give a smile while you got the chance and you never know 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 where a smile could go I gave that man a smile before he left he took it with him and he held it close to the place inside his chest he felt it there every time he breathed And he paid it forward everywhere And to anyone he pleased A smile is just a little ways from a laugh And a laugh is just a little ways from having a good day So if you meet a glance Give a smile while you got the chance And you never know You might not believe in the little things at all Maybe the hyperbolization is cheerful people's downfall Your point of view so tightly curled and especially uptight And maybe a smile of yours could go around the world Who knows, am I? 
good day so if you meet a glance give a smile while you got the chance and you never know you never know This episode was recorded, mixed, and mastered at Auburn Recording Studios.